Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I'm the managing editor of MDDI. On this episode of Let's Talk MedTech, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Connor Hennigan, the lead research scientist at Fitbit. Dr. Hennigan stopped by to talk to us about Fitbit and its role in a study last year regarding COVID-19. Dr. Hennigan is also going to talk about Fitbit's transformation into this major player in the digital health space. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. Well, Dr. Hennigan, thanks for being a part of Let's Talk MedTech. Really excited about our conversation today. And uh, just want to talk about this study. Uh, but before we get into it, really want to get an understanding of Fitbit and its evolution into this, this digital health tech company. It, it seems to have taken leaps and bounds over the last few months, especially with COVID. Can you maybe provide some background or talk a little bit about that before we go into the study results? Yeah. So firstly, thank you very much for the invitation to... Uh, to come on your podcast. Uh, just as a little background, Fitbit has been in this space for over 13 years. We make uh, trackers and smartwatches. And our very initial starting point was we developed a step counter that uh, communicated with your phone. So our very first foray into wellness was to try and help people just manage their daily activity levels through the simple metric of step counting. And over the years, we've built on that to add in features like continuous heart rate, tracking 24 by 7. We've added in the ability to track your sleep and your sleep patterns. And then we began to layer on additional, more complex metrics such as stress level, an estimate of your cardio fitness level. We added in food logging and so on, all around the general wellness space. And then maybe in the last three or four years, We've actually got more into the, uh, the, the closer to the medical space where we began to see how our technology could be used to help manage or detect medical conditions. Uh, so that's culminated this year in a FDA clearance on a software we developed to detect a cardiac rhythm problem called atrial fibrillation. And that's kind of the general trend that the wearable industry is taking is not only providing these general wellness tracking services, but also beginning to give people early insight into diseases, as for example, like cardiac rhythm problems, and potentially in the future areas like sleep apnea, or maybe blood pressure or diabetes management. So I think we're definitely seeing wearables evolve into this uh, health management space. Interesting, interesting. Now, how did this study come about with COVID-19? I mean, can, can you talk a little bit about that before we go into the results? Get, set the table and, and talk a little bit about the background of the study. Well, I think like, like all of us, you know, COVID-19 came out of the blue this year. Um, but obviously, we saw that it was having a dramatic impact on our society and our, on our users. And funny enough, even before COVID had emerged, we had begun research with the Scripps Institute in San Diego, who were interested in tracking flu incidents at a state level uh, using wearable devices. And we had partnered with them the previous year to look at changes in heart rate and sleep patterns that were affected by flu. And they had put together a very nice report on how increases in heart rate seen at a population level 
actually correlated pretty well with flu incidence at a state level. So that kind of gave us some basic scientific rationale why we should start looking at uh, COVID sufferers to see if there were any changes in their physiological patterns that might correlate with the onset of COVID disease. And so that what that led us to pretty quickly was we decided to open up a kind of open science uh, project with our users in the US and Canada. And we asked all active Fitbit users to basically participate in a study where they would report whether they had actually experienced COVID uh, and if they had, had they been diagnosed formally, whether by a PCR test or a serological blood test. And we then asked for their permission to look at their data in the context of correlating with, with the COVID symptoms and signs. So that's kind of the, the rationale. And we had a great uptake from our user base. Uh, so far, we've had, I think, over uh, 190,000 US Canadian Fitbit users participate. Um, and multiple thousands of those users have actually reported COVID which has given us the basis for this uh, algorithm that we've done. Are there any, or were there any major findings that kind of jumped out at you? Um, anything that kind of was like, ding, 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 this is, this is something really big we need to focus on. And again, I realized that COVID-19 is a, a, a fairly new virus. We're, we're just studying it. So everything is going to kind of jump out at this point. But was wondering if there were any red flags, just anything you saw. Yeah, uh, that's exactly the way it happens. Uh, right after kind of COVID became, uh, let's say, more widespread in, in March, and we started getting into the shutdown periods, uh, we actually had a couple of people uh, independently say, hey, I had COVID and I noticed things happening in my Fitbit data. Uh, so they very kindly volunteered uh, their data to look at from a sort of individual case level. And um, one of the things that really stood out at that point was a change in breathing rate. Um, so, uh, you know, the average adult sleeps where their breathing rate is maybe 15 breaths per minute. Uh, some of these people, when they were, you know, quite sick, they were seeing breathing rates above 20. So a really significant change. And that kind of that kind of in pretty quickly on looking at the breathing rate. And um, we also saw pretty quickly from our work with scripts that heart rate um, was a significant factor to look at since it's pretty reasonably well known that when you have a fever, it tends to push your metabolism up and your heart rate goes up to kind of uh, provide the necessary higher metabolic demand. So heart rate and breathing rate were the two things we keyed on pretty quick. Wow, this is such an awesome conversation, but want to take a moment to break in and talk about the Medical Design Excellence Awards. Yes, the Medical Design Excellence Awards, affectionately known as the MDEAs, are back. And whether you're a startup or a more established medical device company, this is your opportunity to be recognized for your achievements in the medtech industry. Worldwide submissions are being accepted from both companies and individuals involved in the design, engineering, manufacturing, or distribution of finished medical devices. But you have to hurry because this has an entry deadline of January 15th, and that's right around the corner. So if you're interested, just sign up at mdeaawards.com. That's M as in Mary, D as in dog, E as in eat awards.com. And now back to our conversation with Dr. Hennigan. Interesting, interesting. And 
when we when you saw that uh, when when that kind of jumped out at you, are there kind of any conclusions, anything that we can kind of draw from this, or or I guess I would ask, what does tell us uh, j- just about uh, the patients and the users that were experiencing this? Does Fitbit, I mean, does the does the virus kind of? I guess what I'm asking, and I know I'm getting kind of I'm rambling on here a little bit, but what will the what can these learnings help us do or help us understand uh, about the patient? Yeah, so I think a couple, couple of things we could pick up on there. Uh, firstly, um, you know, I think there's a reasonable physiological basis for why these things are happening. So, uh, for example, say that it's it's been seen in other conditions, particularly like in intensive care or infectious diseases that. Having a one degree centigrade rise in your body temperature typically gives you around about 10 beats per minute increase in your heart rate. So we, we felt like we were on pretty solid ground in terms of understanding the physiology. And then secondly, the breathing rate, uh, you, you probably saw yourself in reading about the condition, like one of the, uh, you know, COVID can attack the, the respiratory system. It can reduce the effectiveness of your lungs you might start getting less oxygen because your lungs diffusion is not working as well and your body counteracts that by breathing faster. So I think the two things we picked up on made a lot of physiological sense. When we talked with our kind of clinical colleagues outside Fitbit, they kind of said, yeah, that's the sort of thing we would expect to see. Uh, and then in terms of how it might end up as a user, one of the, one of, for a user, one of the things to, we had to do from a sort of algorithmic point of view is everyone has a natural heart rate and a natural breathing rate that's specific to them. Uh, so in terms of developing an automated way to look at this, it's not enough to say, oh yeah, 70 beats per minute is the threshold because that's going to depend on, on the individual. We had to come up with a to, to basically compare it with a person's baseline. So we started playing around with algorithms that compared your, you know, last night's breathing rate with your average breathing rate over the last two weeks or three weeks or whatever it might be. So the way this will manifest is that we basically keep a uh, normalized version of your parameters compared to your baseline. And anytime they uh, significantly add a range in a certain way, that will be when we would raise a potential notification to a person to kind of consider whether they might be sick or look out, you know, be more carefully looking out for symptoms. Sure, sure. I want to talk a little bit now about how BMI played into all of it and, and wanted to discuss that aspect because as I was looking through uh, the, the study, as I was looking through it, that kind of jumped out at me and wondering if you could kind of explain that and what was found in the study in relation to BMI. Yeah. So in the study I just mentioned where we asked people about their experience with COVID, uh, we also asked them uh, about the severity of their condition and also some of the background uh, demographics. And one of the things that we discovered is that the severity of the condition and the duration of symptoms was in fact affected by your body mass index. And that's pretty consistent with what was, you know, what's been observed in uh, the more general medical literature that higher body mass index appears to uh, have people get worse experience with the COVID infection. So I don't think we were seeing anything that was particularly different, um, but we just kind of confirm from our retrospective data that it's body mass index is a risk factor for getting a more severe version of the condition. 
Wow. It'll be interesting to see as, as time goes on, just how that plays out and, and just why that is the case, uh, the reason behind it. Um, what I want to ask now and what I want to talk about is just the fact that we have wearables now that Fitbit was able to to conduct this study and you were able to get a, a greater understanding of COVID-19 uh, for where we're at in the progression state of the virus. But what I how I kind of want to ask this question is, is this. Let's say COVID-19, uh, put on your hat with me for a little bit, uh, you're thinking at it. If COVID-19 happened, let's say 30 years ago, I'm going to say 30, and okay. where wearables weren't as, um, where wearables weren't as popular, the technology just wasn't there. How would we get this information, or could we get the information that we got from uh, from Fitbit for this study? In other words, I'm trying to talk about the importance of wearables, but just going back 30 years ago, how how would that work, or could it could it even work? Where would we? Yeah, I, I mean to be honest, I don't really see how we could have done this 30 years ago in terms of like in the community measurements of uh, vital signs. Um, I think it would all have been anecdotal reports. We, maybe you could have asked people to self-measure their heart rate. Breathing rate, very difficult to like, particularly we're measuring breathing rate while you sleep because it's kind of a very good natural baseline that that will be impossible to do. So I think there's a lot of technology enablement has happened in the last 30 years, you know, which beyond what Fitbit does, but just the whole connectivity, the smartphones that enable this type of population level data now, which just really didn't happen in the past. Sure, sure. And what we're seeing is just the natural evolution of wearables and, and wearables have really been, I'd say, the cornerstone to kind of understanding this virus more. Um, you talked about this a little bit um, just a few minutes ago, but ultimately, what does this study show about the use of, of Fitbit and wearables to better understand COVID-19? What, what, if you could kind of crystallize it and sum it up in a couple statements. Yeah, I mean, the reason we're so excited about this study is we think there's a potential to give people an early warning, maybe one to two days before they're aware of symptoms, that something is changing in their body. And we're very much hoping that that will encourage people to be on the lookout for symptoms, and depending on where they live and the testing available to them, they may even be able to take a test sooner than they would have, or at least line it up in advance. The second thing that we're really enthusiastic about the potential for is asymptomatic cases. We have seen some of these changes occur even when the person reports no symptoms. And if we can make any sort of impact on uh, awareness of asymptomatic cases, that would definitely help the overall public health. Uh, challenge that we have. So those are the things we're most excited about. Wow, wow. And where do we go from here? Will you will Fitbit have additional studies? Um, uh, where can what can we expect to see next from the company in terms of its uh, its battle in the fight against under to to understand COVID nineteen? Yeah. So what we're uh, planning to do next is. We have partnered with Northwell Health, which is a hospital system in Long Island and New York. Uh, we're going to deploy this system 
to uh, their, some of their employees, a couple of thousand employees. And we're going to basically, they already have a great testing regime in place because obviously they're very concerned about the safety of their employees and their patients. So we'll actually be able to really yeah, verify in a real world setting that what we're seeing, what we saw in our retrospective analysis is happens in the real world. Uh, if that is successful, um, we're also in parallel discussing with the FDA about how would a system like this actually be deployed to uh, consumers. So we, you know, there's various processes that the FDA has for potentially allowing software like to enter the market. So we're in that discussion with them as well to see if there's a role for wearables in public health monitoring. It'll be interesting to see, and I always use this word interesting because I think that's what kind of time we're in. We're living in interesting times, uh, but it will be interesting to see where we are this time next year uh, with the progression of COVID-19 and also with wearables, because I think wearables ultimately and I think Fitbit ultimately gives us a window into what the doctors wish they could do, and that's be with us 24-7 um, and not just a few minutes a day uh, to monitor um, to monitor signs, to see the challenges or the changes in our bodies. So I think this is amazing work, and, and congratulations, and, and I, I hope we see more studies like this, and I hope the work continues. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and I say we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast about the uh, cardiac rhythm monitoring, and that's exactly the scenario where doctors wish in the past that they had this 24-7 coverage to kind of see these intermittent events. And I think that's the, the that's what wearables are now on medical community. Yeah, sounds great. Well, doctor, I appreciate you taking time to be on Let's Talk MedTech. This was an awesome conversation and, and hope you'll come back and join us again once you have some, some more news. Right. And thanks again for the invitation. Appreciate it. Sure. Anytime.